Welcome to Zero Five O. I'm your host, Bruce Bradley, founder of recycling company First Mile. This is our Green Impact podcast where we meet guests creating solutions for a zero carbon world. Imagine a world where you could be rewarded for recycling plastics at your workplace, get full traceability and where your plastic is recycled, and then buy back corporate clothing made from the plastic you recycled at work. Too good to be true? Not so. Today's guest, Zach Johnson, is founder of Reborn. Reborn have established an entire supply chain from bottle to garment, allowing customers to implement the world's first fully traceable circular recycling solution. Welcome to Zero Five O, Zach. Fantastic to have you on the show and really looking forward to hearing more about Reborn. Hi, Bruce. Thanks very much for having me. Really appreciate being on it. So what is Reborn and what are you aiming to do? At Reborn, we recycle plastic. So originally we started out as a clothing manufacturer and we were manufacturing luxury garments. Uh, over the years, we've been working with a number of corporate businesses and we take plastic from their sites, from locations or events, and we recycle that plastic and turn it into a pellet. And that pellet's what we use in the manufacturing process to make our garments like the clothing that I'm wearing today. And so making that connection uh, for the listeners, really, between plastic from events and clothing, isn't that a bit weird? I thought I thought clothes were made out of wool and cotton. Yeah, it's a really good point. A lot of clothes are made out of wool and cotton, uh, and we also use an organic cotton, and we use bamboo, and we also use a, a, a British wool as well uh, in our sustainable clothing range. One of the major products that we, we produce ourselves is recycled polyester. So it's a plastic that's turned into a polyester fiber, and then we use that in our clothing. Um, when you flip over the label on any of your clothes at home, I'm sure you'll find in some of that sport where and corporate clothing, there'll be a polyester blend or a full polyester top. Um, things like football shirts, cricket shirts are generally made 100%. They're a really good product. They are hydrophobic, sweat wicking, moisture wicking, breathable. That's the big thing that always it comes up. Is it like wearing a plastic bag? No. Surprisingly, you probably have, you know, 10, 15% of your wardrobe will be made from polyester. We just do a recycled version. So it's, bas- it's basically a fact of life that your clothes are probably going to have some some form of plastic or plastic-based polymer or polystyrene or elastine or something in them. So you're saying, if that's the case, it's the way that modern clothes are made. Let's get some recycled content in there. Is that right? Exactly. That's absolutely right. And it's uh, there's definitely so outerwear, so all jackets, swimwear. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've checked your swimwear, but most most swimwear will be polyester. Uh, we haven't been able to make a cotton or a wool-based one. It'll be very heavy and, and probably be pretty embarrassing at the swimming pool. So there's certain <laughs> products that need to be polyester. Sink to the bottom of the pool in a, in a woolen uh, <laughs> swimming costume. Yeah, or, or not end up wearing any at all. And what's the main, because uh, some of our listeners are a bit geeky about um, polymer types and plastic types. Are there, in the same way as we get many different types of polymer in clothing, is it the same for clothing in general or a reborn focusing on one type of polymer? Yeah, so we specifically for fabric focus on one type of polymer. So we work on PET uh, and we make an RPET product. And that's what we use to make our recycled polyester. But that doesn't mean that we don't take other plastics in as a recycler. So we actually recycle HDPE, PET and PP are our main three. Uh, and we're looking into other products at the moment like shrink wrap. And the big one that's that's probably the biggest challenge at the moment that we're, we're overcoming is shrink wrap, which is pallet wrap that goes around pretty much every single pallet that's distributed across the, the globe. Uh, and we're just looking at that at the moment as well. And can that go into clothing as well, those different polymer types? Or is it just PET into clothing and then you're looking at other outlets for the other polymers? Yeah, just PET into clothing at the moment. Um, so our zip pulls and things like that are PP and HDPE, but also 
um, we turn that into hard surfaces. So we've got a, a fantastic machine in our workshops, which recycles plastic back into worktops uh, and then hard surfaces. So we're making for a few high profile brands, the tables in their restaurants and in their lounge areas. Wow. So you did. So you're doing shop fit outs as well as the clothing as well. We are. Yeah. Yeah. We do it in the background just because our clients ask us all the time for the weird and wonderful uh, recycling. We, I think the weirdest one that we've had so far was the interior of an aeroplane uh, being wow. recycled. So we, we're turning that into some things as well. Wow. That's amazing. So the PET is your sort of most common, the Coca-Cola bottles, soda drinks bottles, that sort of thing. How does that get made into, I guess, yarn to go into clothing? What's that process? And then are you making the item of clothing as well? Or is that that you make get, getting the, the yarn and then getting a manufacturer to make the clothing? Yeah, great question. Actually, we own the end-to-end supply chain. So right from bottle all the way through into the garment that it makes, we own that whole supply chain. What that means is we can give full traceability and transparency. And one of the big things that we've done um, is use blockchain traceability. So we can track and trace every bottle in all the way through the recycling process. And to give you a, to answer your question, we use mechanical recycling. When we collect the bottles uh, using companies like yourselves, like First Mile, we would take that plastic in. We would then receive it into our warehouses. We then unbale it. We then shred it through mechanical shredding. It then goes into a sink float tank, and that's where it's cleaned using friction. Then it goes into a drying machine, so vacuum dryer, which creates bone-dry plastic filament and flakes. We then take that flake and put it into an extrusion machine, pretty much heats it up to a, to a, a certain temperature, depending on the type of plastic going in. We then can create pellet out the back end of that machine, and that pellet gets bagged into one-ton bags. We store it on our racking system with our barcode scanning. We know exactly which plastic was taken from which venue. So if it was taken from Arsenal, the Jockey Club or a Hilton a property, we know exactly where that plastic came from and we can track and trace it through. We also send that plastic directly into our other workshop where we create fabric. So we spin that fabric and it creates a filament. So I don't know if you've ever seen a best visual is a candy floss machine when you pour sugar in, yeah. it then creates that that fiber that, that that you can eat i wouldn't eat our fiber uh, it probably yeah. make you pretty sick uh, <laughs> but you can create a filament and that's the first stage of creating it looks kind of like cotton wool then we turn that into fabric through our weaving process and then we have a garment manufacturing side of our business as well so for our brands for example like the hilton we're able to show them exactly where their plastic comes from where it's recycled and exactly what garment it's turned into wow that's incredible that you've got the entire supply chain and it's very becoming of increasing importance this entire traceability um and particularly with stories of uh supermarket waste and other people's waste turning up in uh, malaysia and china and these places so having that traceability i think is a really key part for corporates going forward yeah definitely i think traceability is probably where i see the recycling industry going over the next five to ten years i think it's all about traceability and where things come from and i think more brands that are choosing to recycle are now choosing to know what does it get turned into? Is it waste to energy? Is it getting turned into a product? And what does that product look like to me as a business? And so if I scanned one of the tags in the back of a um, pair of your swimming shorts or a, a work fleece top, would that then pop up with a report on my phone telling me where, that, where the plastic bottle came from that it was made out of? Exactly. Yeah. So it gives a full traceability report. Um, so it looks like a QR code. You scan that QR code uh, and then it takes you through to, to a web page where it's giving you the specifics on that garment that you've got in front of you. From our side, we're now putting NFC chips inside the 
tags. So that's something that we're doing in the future. And we're just, we're just trialing that in a, in a couple of areas. Um, we're specifically trialing it with some golf range that we've produced for the Aramco ATS team series, which is a large scale golf event for females. Um, it's a great, great event. And they're recycling plastic from the site directly into the garments that it's producing. And we want them to be able to track and trace it through. Wow, that is incredible. Um, and that's where the blockchain comes in, is it? Exactly. That's exactly where the blockchain comes in. And it's probably one of those words that people hear and go, I've heard it, but I don't really understand what it is. Or some people are very, very au fait with blockchain. We've got a, an incredibly smart team uh, that, that are very, very, I think they won't mind me saying this, geeky and nerdy when it comes to blockchain and understanding how to put it together. But in, in short, blockchain is a ledger. It's an open ledger. So it's an open reference center which collects data. So kind of like an Excel spreadsheet, but it's, it's open to everybody to see every time. And it can't be manipulated. Excel can be adjusted, whereas the ledger can't be changed. So the minute something's added to the ledger, it can't change. And then we can track and trace everything through each machine that it's scanned into. And what that means is very simply, I noticed in the industry that people were sadly greenwashing by accident in, in some cases. So if you're a large brand, uh, without naming any, if you're a large brand and you take on a recycling company, you expect your, gut, your 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 plastics to be recycled. You're paying for that. Some people weren't recycling that plastic. And what happened was it wasn't the recycler that got bought into the newspapers and made the front page. It was actually the major brands that made the front page. And it said, you know, brand X doesn't recycle sustainably. And actually, I felt really sorry for them. So as a business, we can track and trace everything. And we, we had a paper trail, but we wanted to show something to the third party consumer. So down to, the, to our client, but also to their team members or to their customers to show exactly what they're saying is, is genuinely true. And then when the, I mean, that is amazing. And then what happens at the end of the life of that item that's fantastic that it can be traced right through the blockchain, but when it's, when Hilton, say, for example, have worn out the garment and then that needs to go on to get recycled, as far as I know, where you've got blends of material with different zippers and things like that, and it's very hard to recycle those materials back into a new garment but are yours different because there's more are they 100 percent pet and they can be recycled again or is the technology just not there at this stage yes that's actually a very very good point uh, very knowledgeable bruce you're right i think um from our side we've got a couple of ways of doing this we recycle our garments and the way we do that is because we make our garments we're not buying off the shelf we actually make our linings from 100 percent pet so we know that all the linings can be stripped out of the garment and we know exactly how to do that our zips can be removed from the garment and we stitch them in in a way that they can be removed really easily, but they're not going to come out when you're using them on day-to-day -day use. We also, we do use blended fibers and fabrics in some cases. So for example, there's a blended t-shirt. It's a 60-40 blend, 60% polyester or recycled polyester and an organic cotton. Um, that product can't be recycled in the same traditional way. So what we do is we shred that down and we turn that into a filament and fiber that we use in our outerwear and it becomes the actual insulation that goes inside it so but we're now looking at trying to find ways of working as a team to actually split fiber it's really difficult and we're working with a couple of really really smart individuals to try and look at that as well but we're, it's all in the fabric manufacturing and how we make the garment in order to recycle that sustainably and ethically really so it sounds like half the problem is taking it apart in a way that you understand that it can be easily taken apart and then some things some components can be recycled others we're not quite there yet but that taking it apart piece seems to be half the problem it's definitely half the problem. Um, and to be honest, it's, it's really difficult to tell what a fabric or fiber is visually. And even under a microscope, it's really difficult. So if you don't know that the inner layer was 100% polyester or 
so let's go you know it's not even recycled let's say if you don't know that's 100 percent polyester you don't know that you can turn that into something and you can't recycle it you don't know if it's a blend or not and i think that's the biggest challenge it's the labeling and, and how recyclers can understand what that garment's made from so because we do the whole process it's a little easier for us but i'm not saying it's the the utopian view for every recycler and with corporates do you tend to do they tend to want you to take back the garments when they've got to end of life is that part of the reborn as sort of um, service yeah, it is yeah so we've started receiving some of our garments back um so we started our company in 2018 officially and we've now just started get to get to end of life on a few of the garments which is a testament to it to the garment i think uh, that they're they've lived lived for sort of four years um and we're just starting to see a couple of those coming back and what we do is we recycle those and we use the same process so they prefer to have the ability to give them back to us event clothing's interesting event clothing because it's got the logo of a brand on it it never comes back uh, everybody wants to keep it for as long as they can but in the label it does say if you want to recycle this please scan here and it will tell you where to go so we sort of focused a lot on the clothing there zach which is super interesting and i'm going to hear how you how you went from manufacturing luxury garments into manufacturing garments from waste in a second but just looking at the feedstock for your business and the plastic bottles and where they're coming from I've been reading a, a little bit about Reborn, and I think, right, are there some, are you getting some ocean-bound plastics, some workplace plastics and other areas, or is it all mainly now coming out of corporate event? Where's, where's, the, where's the stuff come from? I'll stop guess, guessing and ask a question. Good question. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, uh, we actually, um, originally the business was NACO, which is Ocean Spelt Backwards. That's a luxury fashion brand that's sold in Harrods and other luxury department stores. That's our swimwear brand, and that's where we do menswear. Um, that is all ocean-bound. Sorry, it's actually ocean plastic, not ocean-bound. So it's ocean plastic that we're collecting out, and we physically do that. We then, over the years, worked with corporates. So I worked with brands like Moet Hennessy. Um, so working with Moet, I was able to take plastic from their sites and recycle them and turn them into their clothing and uniform. So we used standard bins. We used the normal collection metrics. We used companies like yourself to collect that plastic for us. And then there's a third part of our business, which is machinery. So because we build shredders and recycling machines, we actually wanted to build, I saw them in the Nordics, they're called reverse vending machines. Great concept, great machine. Um, you would have seen them, uh, especially in your world. And they're really good. They're just not very engaging. Um, they're, they're a metal box. They give you a ticket and it says, Hit, you know, here's your 10 cents or whatever it might be for recycling your bottle today. I just felt that, as a consumer, I wanted more. We're in a digital age. You probably, if you walk anywhere in the, in the street or on the train or anywhere you go, people are glued to their mobile phone screens. It's because it's engaging. So we re-engineered the concept of a reverse vending machine and made it actually, it's got a 50-inch touchscreen on the front. You can interact with the RVM. You're able to get a reward metrics directly from the RVM. I didn't like the idea of swapping a plastic bottle for a ticket. That just feels insane to me. So you're giving paper now for plastic. Um, so now our machines don't don't give tickets at all. It works on a barcode scanner. So you scan the QR code or barcode. You download the app. You can store all of your rewards inside your app. You can you can claim it for you can you can put in ten bottles, get a free coffee at Starbucks or wherever it might be. You can also recycle and get electric scooter charge in some countries. So you're recycling bottles. You're getting ten seconds on an electric scooter, and the more you do that, the more more minutes you get to travel for free. And that's actually collecting a thousand bottles in the RVM. We come along with companies like yourself. We want that first mile help, you know, 
fixed for us. So we collect that plastic, we bring that into our workshops and warehouses and recycling centers, we recycle it and turn it into the pellet that we produce in our garments. And the beauty of that is it's 100% trackable and traceable. So we own the patent on blockchain traceability in an, a recycling apparatus, which means that anything that uses recycling technology, we own the blockchain piece for. So what that means for us as a business is it scans the barcode in the RBM. We know exactly what bottle went in. It was Coca-Cola on the 5th of June, and it was installed by X user. We gave a reward for that, but then we track that bottle all the way through. And we can even, we don't show this because it's a bit extreme, the, the jacket that I'm wearing, I can even show you all the different bottles recycled by all the different users that created my jacket. So in the future, we may want to show that and we may want to let them know what they were able to produce. So that was a real, real valuable piece. So we collect from corporates, events, high streets. So we're working with um, companies like NatWest, Moe Hennessy, the Jockey Club, Hilton, Boco, lots of different brands where we have these machines or recycling capability. That's amazing. So in the future, I'll be able to click on Ronaldo um, and a little avatar will appear saying that it con- his shirt contains a Coca-Cola bottle that I dropped into a vending machine in... Uh, uh, who knows? It would be nice, wouldn't it? So <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to hope Ronaldo and, and, and his sponsor don't come to me. <laughs> but yeah, at some point it would, it would hope... He's a, re- he's a regular listener to the show, so go. I'm sure he'll be in touch tomorrow. And so that sourcing of the materials, are you then, come, because there's been lots of chat about reverse vending and it's sort of meant to be going in Scotland live, as you said, it's very big in the Nordics. And it's been very much focused on um, container to container or bottle to bottle recycling. Is your entire business sort of competing with the bottle to bottle container uh, recycling market? Do those, do those guys see you as a threat or do they sort of think it's actually good to have a bit more of a diverse and markets for PET and other plastics? Um, actually, I think hopefully they see us as a not a competitor, but actually someone who can complement their services because we produce pellet. So actually in our business, we produce the recycled plastic pellet for us to use in our manufacturing process to make garments. But we also have a number of customers that buy pellet from us because they need to use it in the manufacturing process and want full traceability of where that plastic came from. So we work with a large organization where we recycle plastic from their bottles we turn that back into pellet and they actually buy that pellet back from us with full traceability so they know exactly where those bottles came from what date they were recycled which machines they went in so actually they see us as a a complementary service but also when it comes to deposit return scheme our aim as a business is actually to get the deposit return scheme to work with us because i feel that and this is very controversial (laughs) i feel that the nordics are on a broad level, very honest people. So the, the, the deposit return scheme works really well there. So you take your bag, you can take it to the supermarket, you can see Mr. Smith and he'll say, yep, they've got 50 bottles in there, I'll give you the money. It doesn't work that way in the UK uh, and in the US <laughs> and, and in certain places where sometimes, you know, British people will we'll choose to try and beat the system sometimes. We wanted to try and create a way that they don't beat the system. So the deposit return scheme, could be flawed and it could be open to fraud. Whereas using a, a DRS system in our reverse vending machine gives the government full traceability, every bottle in, every penny spent. So I see it as a complementary service to the DRS program. Um, and we're working with some local authorities now. Yeah, absolutely. So if I go along to the vending machine with my Coca-Cola bottle on a piece of string and then put it in and out several times, you're going to catch me out here. 
I'll catch you out eventually. Yeah, the barcode <laughs> will uh, it'll let us know, and we'll take a picture of you on the RVM. We'll, we'll ban you for life. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and I think you're right about the technology being a bit unengaging. I mean, my my limited uh, experience with it, I was at one of the recycling shows, and somebody was showing me a reverse vending machine and said that my I had a bottle for life, and they said, oh, well, it'll get rejected because it's not a plastic, Coca-Cola, a plastic PT bottle. And so I put it in and it didn't get rejected and it crushed it and spat it to the bottom of the bin. So I was there for the rest of the day without my, without my uh, bottle for life. But anyway, I'm sure it's just a, just a glitch. And that is one of the flaws. So we use, we use image recognition and infrared weight sensors to understand exactly what's in there. And one of our clients is a, is a large bank and they're putting them in high street locations. And one of the things that came up through, through due diligence was what if somebody puts a bomb in? Uh, what if somebody puts something in that shouldn't? And actually, really good question. We'd never had it. So we went through a lot of due diligence and we adjusted our machinery to do image recognition software. So it uses AI to actually understand exactly what's been put in. And we can train the machine. So in the future, we're looking to train the machine to take food, pots and everything else, yogurt pots, whatever it might be. So um, that's something that's very proprietary to our machine. Amazing. Really. Very good. So no, your, your reusable bottle would. That's fine. Have I'm not sure what the bank's going to do. Someone does try and put a bomb in it and it spits it out again. But it's, uh, I think the... the, the yeah. The, <laughs> the bo- I'd be bo- more concerned why someone's walked in with it. But Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But you can't solve everything. And then um, the plastics tax, which actually uh, we record. This isn't going out on the 1st of April, but we're recording on the 1st of April. And the plastics tax is live as we speak, which is... £200 per tonne for packaging that doesn't contain 30% recycled content. Is that going to be a challenge for you? Because obviously you're taking packaging, but then turning it into non-packaging clothing. Does that make your costs higher? Is that going to cause a problem? Or is that just going to help oil the wheels of recycling generally, therefore okay for you? Um, Actually, it oils the wheels because, um, as I say, because we produce pellet as the first thing that we produce we're able to send that pellet back to manufacture so whether that's manufacturing in food grade or whether that's manufacturing for worktops tables whatever it might be we can actually put that back into the marketplace so we've seen a huge increase in demand for that stockpile of pellet that we have on 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 stock and it helps to reduce that tax for some of those organizations so we're actually seeing that to be quite a large thing that's, that's happening as well. And then you're also working I mean we're working on a project with you for polycakes which are these single-use big plastic beer kegs is that something that is a sort of welcome diversion is it easier to recycle lots of small plastic coke bottles um, or soft drink bottles or are some of these larger format pet packaging items easier because there's more polymer polymer per item it's like a massive coke bottle so really very very similar to a, to a, to a large coke bottle um, it requires a little bit of tooling as, as you're aware um, so we've been we've been working with with Polykeg and, and other people in the industry to try and create tooling that works. We had to upgrade some of our machinery to to allow those to go in because they're a bit larger. But actually, I, I I really like recycling them because it's a lot of plastic very very quickly, and it tends to be very very clean because they have an internal bag system. So the majority of it tends to be quite clean plastics, um, and it hasn't been treated badly. It doesn't have any real labels on apart from one on the outside, a small one. Um, so yeah, it's a really welcome product for us as a business, and we can turn that. That's a PP, an HDP, and a PET. So we get three out of uh, most of those, and we then turn those into specific products. Yeah, and it's uh, size doesn't matter. You just shred it up and granulate it into pallets anyway. Exactly, and we turn it into uniform for for bar stuff. Brilliant. And so if you're looking at a um, like a standard, I don't know, I think a 500 ml Coke bottle or Lucasade bottle or whatever, how many of those to go into a 
fleece. The, the listeners can't see, but Zach's wearing a very beautiful, beautiful uh, fleece. Like soft shell fleece. Soft, so soft shell fleece. This is 45 plastic bottles to, wow. a, uh, to, to one jacket. Um, a pair of swim shorts is sort of 15. A polo shirt is around 12 to 14. The best thing about this is the larger the size you are, the more plastic you recycle. So it is an excuse to eat more, which, which I thought was quite good. Um, so you can be more sustainable with a larger clothing. I love it. Perfect. Um, sorting out food waste at the same time, or you just buy uh, uh, just bigger sizes and then you recycle it, <laughs> yeah. recycling, recycling more. more. Baggy. Yeah. Love it. And then I think we've sort of covered this anyway, but I'm going to ask you just to get clarification. Are your garments, are you making those UK, Europe, or is the corporate clothing and sort of clothing market still very much dominated by the east and you've got facilities and supply chain further afield we actually the corporate supply chain kind of for corporate uniform is definitely dominated by the east due to that it's it's purely pricing so cost of labor is cheaper in the east which means the cost of manufacturing the garment is cheaper so we make anything from bespoke suits uh, at the hilton so one of our clients is hilton we, we make their their suiting all the way through from front of house all the way into engineering um, engineering staff will wear a soft shell or a hoodie or a, or a zip up each one of those has to be competitively priced. That's probably the biggest challenge is price point to make that work. One of the big things in our business is I didn't want to create uniform that was ugly. I didn't want to create uniform that people didn't want to wear. And I also didn't want to create uniform that wasn't going to last. So we made sure we over-engineer. We take a slightly smaller margin than our competitors in the kind of workwear space because I didn't want to charge more for sustainability. I think people tend to, you buy the sustainable version of the same jacket, it costs you 10, 20% more. And I think that's not a, a, a sustainable business model, I think, for the future. And I think you need to entice people into using sustainable products to understand it more. So we took a view for the next five years, and we're in year four or five now, um, that we would we would swallow that and our business would be able to cope with it. So that's what we've been able to do. But at the same time, we use, to answer the question more specifically, we have factories in Thailand uh, that we use. They've got on-site medical, dental and healthcare. We're, we're very specific in the factories that we use. We have factories in the UK, which are ours. We also are just building in Australia due to a couple of reasons I'll come to in a second. We're also looking at Saudi Arabia and we're also looking at um, a couple of other locations, Portugal and, and Poland are two that we're looking at. A couple of reasons. One, due to the scale of our business now, we need more locations. Two, due to the fact that carbon footprint, we're trying to always reduce that. So making locally for our EU business or our Australia businesses makes more sense to do that locally. Um, when you factor in the cost of shipping, we, we've all seen them, those shipping prices sky high. Uh, actually, it makes sense to have those those facilities on location and pay the, the higher cost of labor, really, when we've done the maths. It actually makes a lot of sense for us to be doing this. And the, the big key area is the fact that we're, we're always trying to make sure that we're, we're investing in local economy. So we want to make sure that we're, we're always doing that as well as a business. Absolutely. And it's sort of like pointless if you were doing such good environmental things and then ignoring the social side of things as well. So having that social and governance traceability as well is really, really key and really interesting to see because it's sort of one of these things where the market's very much gone to the east and gone global. But everybody I speak to now in the garment industry is talking about doing stuff near shore or local and a, and a real mix in terms of what you're doing. And then on the corporate side, would you do sort of or is the plans to do sort of real commodity pieces of clothing like the the ubiquitous you see them everywhere we buy loads of them the high-vis vest or is that just are they made out of pet or is that something that, that's just so never that's never going to come to the uk no it does so our we, we make clothing for for a brand called packwolf uh, and we do 
they're they're a sustainable distribution hub. Um, they're they're a fulfillment center, and we actually do all of their uniform. And they do high beers, they do t-shirts, they do lots of different products. We also do, as I say, the the kind of high end corporate clothing, so blazers, waistcoats, trousers, all the way into standard t-shirt lines. And and the reason for that is we wanted to create a one-stop shop. We found that a lot of competitors in the marketplace didn't do certain products. So we've tried to create a very broad mix. It's hard sometimes to keep that price competitive. So what we do as a business is with some of those product lines, we make near on a loss on because we know that actually the high vis is just a barrier to entry. And then we're going to pick up the polo shirt or we pick up the t-shirt or the jumper. So it kind of works out for us. So Zach, I mean, what's your, so we spent a lot of time talking about Reborn, super interesting. How on earth did you get into this market really? And, you know, the listeners are intrigued to find out what your, what your story is and how you ended up being a, a corporate clothing salesman. Yeah, I know. Uh, I never knew I was going to get into recycling or sustainability, that's for sure. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I was probably... It's great that you have, and we're all very pleased that you're here. Sorry, I interrupted. Thanks. No, 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 it's great. I think, um, it, honestly, I'll start from the beginning, I won't bore you. Uh, I was kite surfing in Bournemouth. I had a friend uh, who's, a, who's a very, very uh, good kite surfer. He's, he's been in the World Championships. And he taught me to kite surf. He had a stretch of the beach where he was recycling. Sorry, <laughs> he was kite surfing. And I saw lots of plastic washing up on the beach and thought, you know, if your friend owns a coffee shop, you might pick up a mug here and there when you pop in. Same as I did when I saw him. I'd pick up a bit of plastic to keep his area of the beach clean. And this became a, a habit. This was this was intense. It became every day that I was there. There was lots of plastic. And I thought, I've never seen this before. I've never understood. This was six, seven years ago. I started taking that plastic, put it in the recycling bin. And at one point I thought someone was chucking the recycling bin back on the beach because it was the same stuff, the same packets. And then I started Googling Bournemouth recycling. It must be terrible. Dirty beaches. Actually, really clean beaches, but still a lot of plastic. I said, look, look if I see this differently, if we saw those as 10 pound notes in the ocean, I guarantee everybody would be in there diving in and collecting it and getting it out. How do you make a consumer see it as value? And I just had this bugbear. wasn't anything else in the sustainable landscape, purely plastic. How do I make plastic a commodity to an average Joe that they care enough about it to do something about it? So what do people spend their budget on? They spend it on certain key areas. Fashion and clothing happened to be one of the large areas. Um, and it was about eight. I was naive. My background is, is, is e-com marketing. Uh, and I thought I can sell a product. Of course, I can make a product. That's easy. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, so I think me being blinkered and having those blinkers on and not understanding the dangers of what I was entering helped me every day to think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so close, I might as well keep going. And I, it was about 18 months of recycling and learning and understanding. Um, we still make mistakes, we're not perfect, but we are constantly striving to evolve. But we, we built the first machine. I built it in my spare bedroom. I built a small extrusion machine and was able to liquefy plastic and turn it into the first pellet. That pellet became the fabric that we produced our swimwear from. And that was the journey of fashion. Won a few awards in fashion, um, in sustainability, and then worked with the British Fashion Council, won an award with DHL and BFC. And then Moe Hennessy asked me if I could make their blazers. And that's really where the corporate clothing came from. But ultimately, we're actually a plastic recycler that happens to have a full circularity story. 
Brilliant. Uh, fantastic. And I always always wondered at the start of the show where you were talking about making swimwear, where that had come from, and the inspiration was right there. So absolutely fascinating, fascinating story. And what success looked like for you over the next sort of two, five, ten years? Um, and what's the biggest hurdle to getting there, do you think? Rob, success would probably look, look at a couple of reasons for, for, for success. How would, I, how would I value it? I'd say the deposit return scheme, we would be working with the deposit return scheme when it, when it comes to the UK in 2024, 2025. That would be a massive success factor to know that we're able to impact that and help the, the everyday consumer recycle and be more efficient with it. For me as a business, long term, that we run out of plastic to recycle. It always comes up in any business meeting. What if we run out of plastic? Well, that's an amazing place to be. And I'd love to <laughs> be that. in that place. Uh, yeah. My shareholders might not be happy, but uh, it, long term, we're in a good good spot. And I think that there's plenty of plastic out there. Sadly, it's a product which is fantastic. It's durable. It's lightweight. It's cheap. Businesses are going to continue to use plastic. So we're there as a support metrics to try and recycle and helping those businesses be more responsible with how they're treating that plastic metal. Perfect. And what do our listeners need to do differently to help you succeed in making Reborn a huge success? If you see an RVM, put a bottle in it, try and use it and see how you get on. Um, but I think it's just being responsible, um, just thinking about the, the, the consumption that we have and also thinking about the clothes that we buy. Um, sometimes I feel like I shoot myself in the foot when I say it, but buy responsibly, think about the purchase. If you've got uniform, buy from a sustainable supplier. It doesn't have to be us, but just buy from a sustainable supplier and think about the, the energy, carbon, water and oil savings that you're going to get as a business, but also what you're going to be able to do and, and impact the planet by doing that. The more we educate each other, the more we can do things a little bit differently and the more we can we can get to a better place in the planet. But ultimately, do one thing. Shift out the plastic bottle for, for a reusable like you do, Bruce. Uh, hopefully you replaced your one from that RBM. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, I'd say that's that's the first step. Make a really small step. Don't don't try and do anything and, and do anything crazy. Just just replace one thing. So you're, you're looking forward to sort of reverse vending legislation, which is sort of four or five years away at the moment or three or two or three years away at the moment. What's coming up in the next twelve months that you can tell us about? What's the what's the what's the uh, excitement yeah, over the next twelve months? That's uh, that's you're most excited about. Okay, um, we are working with. I'm going to be careful of the brands because I, I need to be a little bit careful because the RVM is a new product. Uh, we're under a few NDAs, but we're working with a large high street bank, uh, and we're putting reverse vending machines in public locations. So that's pretty exciting. Um, that's that's a large scale. It's hundreds of units going out into the marketplace. We're also working with. Hilton. Is that and that's in the UK? Is it? That's in the UK. Yes, yeah. so it's a UK bank, Brilliant. High Street Bank, um, right. and Excellent. we're now looking at a, a global scale kind of rollout. But what we've decided to do is the deposit return scheme is coming. Uh, it, it will be here at some point. Um, sadly, that these things take time. But in the meantime, we're working with corporates to see if they would engage with us and put RVMs, reverse vending machines, in their high street locations, in their workplaces, and anywhere that they can. The best thing about that is they brand them. With their brand they use the csr budget to purchase them they have 50 inch touch screens screens on them that they use for advertising and they actually use the rvm now to generate advertising revenue to put them into service stations and other places like that so we're looking at a service station rollout across 136 service stations so every time you stop to get petrol or anything else charge the electric car you will be able to dump your plastic instead of a bin you'll be able to put it into a reverse vending machine so that's rolling out over the next 12 months Lots of different things, lots of exciting things uh, in that RVM space. And I and I've seen a, a reverse vending machine, and it's it really is like the Tesla of uh, vending versus one of those sort of things that you normally see in the swimming pool with um, 
uh, a big metal flap at the bottom that never gives you your soft drink. Your 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 machines definitely look like a uh, a cool thing. So we look forward to seeing those everywhere. And if you were going to ask people to do just one thing to help tackle cl- tackle climate change, I mean this this is all about finding solutions for the climate crisis. But what's the one thing you would get listeners to do when they finish listening to this episode to help tackle climate change? I would say the one thing I would ask listeners to do if they haven't already switch to a reusable bottle the amount of my friends that know what i do that still haven't made that switch they're under a tenner it's a good solution and also you'll drink more water um and that's good for your body and it's good for your mind and it's good to get everything else done so switching to a reusable water bottle i would say is the bare bones minimum that i could ask anyone to do and it's simple enough to do and the second best thing you could do is uh buy a fleece that's made out of a reused water bottle um oh, so they get i just didn't want to plug, plug my, own, uh, <laughs> my own area <laughs> that's so. perfect Zach. finally before we go two things first one is we have this uh little place called the first mile planet saver hall of fame and we ask guests to leave something in the hall of fame we're going to have a look at it in a few years time and it'll be there for future generations what would you leave in the first mile planet saver hall of fame a plastic bottle because one day they won't exist excellent i love it zach it's been an absolute pleasure having you on zero five and learning all about reborn really fascinating business and i think what you're doing is very very impressive before you go can you tell our listeners how we find the company uh what the web address is social media yep perfect so thank you so much for having me as well really really appreciate it it's been good fun uh and it's nice nice to meet other people in the sustainable space uh the the best place to get me is uh www.thisisreborn.com and that gives you access to all of the different brands under our reborn banner perfect this is reborn.com zach it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for coming on the show bruce thanks very much you have a good rest of your day I'm Bruce Bradley, and you've been listening to Zero Five O, where we meet incredible people creating solutions for a zero carbon world. Keep listening to all episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zero Five O.